philanthropist, public speaker, and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Do It With Dan podcast. I'm here with a new friend, Sandy. We're introduced by a new friend, also Justin. But uh, Justin and I had a great conversation a few episodes ago on the podcast. Be sure to check it out. He's since connected me with a couple of pretty cool cats, one of which is Sandy. So Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) My absolute pleasure. Why don't we kick off um, with uh, you sharing a little bit more about you and what you're doing in the world? Sure. Thank you. Um, so a couple of years back after 16 years in the corporate world, I had reached a point where I kind of felt like I could do the corporate job really kind of walking through the motions. And I really felt that kind of stress, um, mm. you know, personally. Um, and it was this, I could continue to walk through the motions I'm trying as hard as I can to bring new ideas, innovate, disrupt, but it was a company that just wasn't ready for it. It was a company that, um, you know, had built success a certain way and really wasn't ready to risk trying anything different. Mm. And that I felt, you know, really unsettling in a personal way. Um, and I just felt this need that there was more out there, um, that I had to go untap in myself, in the world. And I kind of felt this, um, feeling that my business mind was suffering a little atrophy. Mm -hmm. You know, everything I was reading was like, man, that's so cool. And look what these guys are doing. And yeah, I'm, I don't have any experience in that. So about four years ago, I decided to make a leap, um, join a company, uh, as their chief sales officer and try to get that off the ground. And through that process, I learned a ton about you know, what you really need as far as all the ingredients to make something work. So I was a bit naive after 16 years in the corporate world, just thinking, if you gave me a good idea, man, I'd put my head down and run through a wall and, you know, we'd be a hundred X company, you know, I guarantee. (laughs) Um, So after that, I met an, an incredible amount of new connections. I felt completely revitalized. And I met a gentleman named Kevin Peaceman. Um, who had been in the modular construction business for over 30 years. He'd done Mm -hmm. 38,000 projects, um, just something you don't see in in modular construction. And I knew that modular construction was really breaking through and disrupting the construction world. And so he and I had several great conversations, and I came on board to run a division um, of his called Zones, and it's been just an unbelievable um, ride ever since. So Zones, I'm the president of Zones. Mm-hmm. We build pre-constructed, uh, prefabricated modular suites. So imagine you run an office, whether you're a facilities manager, a COO, um, director of uh, workplace. What we enable companies to do at the core of what we do is change their office space and their layout to give people access to the support they need to do the kind of work they need to do when they need to do it for the type of work that needs to be done. So we give people the escape into things like a phone room for acoustical privacy or an escape into a meeting room, you know, for collaboration. But these rooms, they come completely wired 
Oh, um, wow. So it's not just the prefabrication of the actual construction. It's also all the utility bits plugged into. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And because of Kevin's experience of being in the business for 35 years, they're UL approved, they're code compliant, any and every obstacle you could run into, which is a scary thing when you're bringing in new construction, uh, when it comes to adhering to code, um, we have solutions for. So it's a very grown up startup, uh, if that makes any kind of sense. <laughs> I love that grown up startup. Yeah. Got a new hashtag going. So your journey here really came from the frustration at uh, your desire to expand not being met in the corporate world. Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. And just kind of that burning itch, right? That I yeah. Had, the thing is, and I was no, sorry, carry on. I was just saying I had it. I knew it. My wife knew it. My wife was tired of hearing about it, <laughs> and she just <laughs> said, "Listen, go make it happen, or shut the hell up." You know. And it was like if I listened close enough, it was go make it happen. And I'm <laughs> really glad that I that I did. It's all right. my, my wife's Russian, so um, I know exactly what you mean about translating <laughs> the love out of what, what comes out. So, um, so yeah, I was going to ask, you know, what is it that gave you that that the edge over though? Because a lot of people feel the itch. I mean, in my work, I've worked with a lot of people going through midlife crisis, and the itch sometimes either comes out destructively or just creates an implosion. It doesn't necessarily lead to going out and doing something great. So, you know, what, what was, what was the difference for you? What was your, your USP in this situation? What allowed you to be different? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, living on the West coast of the U S I'm not sure I'm that different. Um, mm-hmm. People are doing that all the time. So I had plenty of models around me to look at and say, there's a great example of why I should do this. Um, and that helped, but in taking inventory of myself, you know, and looking back, I'd been through two dramatic downturns in business. Mm-hmm. Every time we went through a downturn, I could see that personally I thrived. Got it. You know, I'm kind of, so taking inventory just of myself, my own temperament, when I do my best, I'm at my best kind of when I'm, when my back's against the wall. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I could do it. You know, um, I think there are other people who jump in because they think, well, that'll be fun. And a startup is, you know, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they failed miserably because it is incredibly hard and you can't be afraid of the struggle, the hard work. And I knew that I wasn't afraid of any of that. You know, I knew that that part of it I could set aside the ability to operate better under pressure than I could mm-hmm. without pressure, I knew was there. And it just, you know, it felt like this was, this was the right time. And the, I could kind of check all the boxes to say, you know, this is one of those things. If you don't do it, you're going to regret it. So you might as well jump in and, and make something happen. I love that. I love that. So um, where was your biggest point of fear in this journey, if any? Because it sounds like you had an environment that kind of supported this kind of leap, if if I'm if I'm hearing you right, in terms of the fact that there were other people that were that that do this kind of thing. You weren't really going against the grain, even though you were doing something kind of crazy in terms of saying, okay, you know, I've I've got to this great position in a very secure corporate environment, but I'm gonna sort of take a hit. 
take a, a, a yeah. punt on a on <laughs> yeah on you a, know this is startup one of those questions where as i'm hearing you ask it a specific date is actually like blinking in my head <laughs> and it wasn't anything about making the leap to being an entrepreneur right or running a small company mm-hmm. it was march 25th of this year oh wow so we had i took over zones last july of mm-hmm. 2019 uh, it was a division that was struggling we i took it over um we made a bunch of fundamental uh, changes very basic blocking and tackling but we had incredible momentum um, as a first year startup we finished the year just from july to the end of december you know with with an incredible run rate right for a second year startup mm-hmm. and i was flying high like i was like this is why you know this is why i came yeah uh, into this world and you know it's like what do we do in 2020 we take it we double down and we hit you know we hit it out of the park and our first three months were great and i remember looking at our crm and listening to the news and seeing our pipeline diminish on march 25th when we went into the lockdown in Mm. seattle and pretty much on the west coast and it just I didn't even have to do any research. I felt it in my gut that what made us great as zones, the fact that you could build quickly, easily, um, disruption free was Mm -hmm. going to be our biggest Achilles heel because you could put it off, right? It's like, why buy it now? I could just buy it when things get better. So people are like, oh, you know, this is going to, I can fix my cash flow issues. I can look at still honoring my agreement here, but doing it later, or I don't even have to think about that. Now I can go and put out other fires, right? That, and I don't have any people coming into work. So why am I going to build new rooms now? (laughs) I'm going to wait until they come back. (laughs) I'm going to wait and see if they come back, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like this, you know, unknown abyss. And I remember sitting there going, did this just all fall apart? you know, in one swift uh, decision to lock unessential businesses down. Mm. So I called my CEO, great guy. I said, hey, I don't know what your thoughts are. I can understand if you say we have to conserve cash. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, no way. The upside is so big. We need this is our opportunity. If you thought we were doing well before, this is the time to double down. And I said, well, gosh, you know, look, here, here are the trends and I'm just being as transparent as possible. Um, I, I don't think this is going to be a great ride for the next couple of months. Um, what do you think? And he said, well, let's find out how we can leverage 35 years of experience and the parent company uh, that I work for has done a lot of modular construction work in the realm of clean rooms. And for those that don't know, these are the rooms that you know scientists, pharmaceutical companies operate in that have to be disease-free. Mm-hmm. They're negative pressure. They're you know they're everything. They're over the top sterile. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Why don't you dive into the research? Why don't you?" look at where businesses are going 
And let's see if we can tap into our experience and meet companies where they need to be met on the other side. So I dedicated my entire awake life (laughs) to figuring out where companies were going, Mm -hmm. what were going to be their biggest problems, and where did they need to be met on the other side. And Mm -hmm. the research showed us very clearly that companies were going to need And they were going to be changed forever in a way that you would have to be able to help position people where they had de-densification of workstations. Um, They weren't so close to each other. You could put physical barriers. But more importantly, you had to filter the air at the point in which um, air is coughed, exhaled, or sneezed. Because Mm -hmm. moving forward, there'll be new strands of COVID. There's the annual flu season. This is one of those things that's going to change us forever. And so after that, we did a ton of rapid prototyping. We tapped into some fundamentals from a company called Think Wrong out of the Bay Area. Great guys. Um, We followed those fundamentals and we came up with, in a very short period of time, a new line of solutions that are clean zone solutions, which is a desk mounted panel that helps you block air, but it also treats and filters the air right at your desk and it has been an unbelievable ride ever since and it's also helped us bring that same those same learnings uh, back to our modular suites so we now in all of our modular suites we have the ability to uh, put filtered air inside of those suites not only to help keep them uh, fully filtered but also to rid them of high levels of VOC and carbon dioxide, which happens when people getting get into enclosed spaces. Mm-hmm. So it keeps the rooms fresh. And we've all experienced, everybody on this, you know, tuning in and you and I have all experienced a meeting where too many people got in a room. The air <laughs> just got incredibly bad. Your yeah, eyes feel really heavy. Musty. You're ready to fall asleep. And that's <laughs> due to the carbon dioxide levels, humidity changes, and God, VOC yeah. levels. And so we looked at research from Harvard, Columbia, and they all said, you know, clean air has an incredible impact on your ability to think clearly and operate. And so we came up with the clean zones panels and it's been it's been humbly rewarding it's been Mm. uh really cool wow so the point that you thought was actually the point of fear ended up being the point of biggest transformation because you got to see hang on a minute we can actually do something that's going to meet this challenge and create opportunity and that was at a time when you were like what like how are we gonna do what are we gonna do like do we need to go and get an overdraft like how are we gonna (laughs) exactly fortunately I had the luxury and I was extremely fortunate to have Kevin, you know, there, Mm -hmm. a parent company and the backing and the support to say, go do this. Mm. And uh, that that was amazing. And I also had fortunately taken that inventory, you know, to of myself to say, hey, man, you know, look in the mirror, remind yourself like this is when you're at your best. Go make it happen. Wow. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Um, Do you think you could have done it without that support? Um, I know it's a a weird one because the support was there and you did do it, but. Well, it's a weird one in that, you know, everything revolves around capital, 
right? Mm-hmm. So what what would have been different? Fortunately, we have an, an incredible, incredibly uh, profitable uh, parent company, and the parent company was also getting tons of requests for new clean rooms, mm-hmm. new solutions, new things that people needed during COVID. And so things kind of aligned in a way that that eliminated that step. However, this is where I would say some of your failures are never really failures. The two years I spent at a, at a different company that, you know, was a little bit of a disaster. I'd met so many people in the venture capital world. I had a Rolodex of, you know, 250 people I could go to and explain what we were doing Mm -hmm. and explain the fact that, you know, there's, sir, there's blood in the streets because of this pandemic. But with that, there's tremendous opportunity and here's what we're doing. And here's what we think we will be able to do on the backside of that. And, you know, out of that uh, group of people, there were, uh, you know, there's plenty who would have, uh, invested in that vision. Hmm. I would have just had to give up a lot more ownership. <laughs> so you could have made it happen, but it would have yeah, been a bit right. more painful. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it, it really sounds like you had a few lessons on this journey. Um, oh. To put it, <laughs> to, to put, put it, it very lightly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lessons. But if you were, if you were mentoring a younger version of yourself, what, what, what are some of the, the, the lessons that you would share with yourself from this experience? God, man, that is a, that's a, that's a big question that have, being where I'm at right now, it's like, mm-hmm. it's flooding my head with, thousands of things I would try to say, but, you know, I think, you know, more than anything. And, and I was thinking of this cause my, my youngest son is, is an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit at heart. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible chef. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I always think about like what, what to tell him, how to best mentor him, because at some point he's going to go down that path. Um, and it's a little bit different of an entrepreneurial path, but probably one of the most difficult to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I would say one of the things I learned most from all the successful people I paid attention to ask advice from, they had all lived at a poverty level at one point of their life, mm-hmm. whether they came from incredibly wealthy families or not. Mm-hmm. I remember vividly leaving college and saying, that's incredibly interesting that they all prove to themselves, I'm not a slave to the money. I can mm-hmm. live at a poverty level. I can mm-hmm. eat macaroni and cheese. I can eat whatever mm-hmm. um, and, and survive. And they, they proved that to themselves while they got their values straightened out, while mm-hmm. they got their uh, vision, where they got their plan, and they got their goals aligned internally before they went forward and made incredible uh, careers for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I would say to them, is don't, don't be in a rush. Don't try to become the next, you know, 30 year old billionaire. And <laughs> you know, I apologize to the 30 year old billionaires out there <laughs> because I would have, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't be the only one telling them not to do that. 
<laughs> I wouldn't be their best advisor, right? but mm-hmm. for people who are looking to just be the best version of themselves, I would tell them spend the necessary time to get centered, learn all of the, the things you need to learn and understand and give yourself the, the leeway to, to learn some lessons while you prove to yourself that you don't need money to live, mm-hmm. right? You can be happy. You can, it, and the problem that I see of a lot of people is you, you build comforts into your life. And as you build those comforts, they get harder and harder to give up. Mm. Right. And if you're young enough, you don't, you don't have a lot of comforts, right? You, and you don't even know you don't have comfort. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So, so take advantage of that time to really learn the best lessons, um, get the um, most amazing experiences and perfect what you want to do, or at least set out to, to try and perfect what you want to do. And that I think will help you with the work ethic and everything else that you develop eventually you will become that you will, you'll be a byproduct of all those things. You will become very wealthy. Wow. Wow. Do you know what I love about that the most is how profoundly simple it is. You didn't yeah, say right. you didn't give us the laundry list of reading books or, you know, get up at four thirty every day or, <laughs> Well, I think people find that out for themselves, you know, Mm. during that period, you know, I mean, you make some mistakes and don't get up at, you know, Mm -hmm. five or you realize I'm not that kind of guy. I need time for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I can give a a hundred percent from 9am to 10 at night. And I think what the world's starting to teach us uh, through plenty of examples is there's not one way Uh, Mm. there are core ingredients but there's not one way and you have to invest the time to find out what your way is and be comfortable with that. Hmm. I love that. So I just want to just weave some of these pieces that we've been pulling up. Um, When you feel the itch, go, go for it. (laughs) Well, maybe take inventory first. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, but go for it once you've taken some inventory. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that you were resourced. And I think this is sometimes when I fall out with some of my peers and the whole positive thinking, personal development, because I'm like, or, or, or don't just jump. Right. Maybe, you know, there's the, an entrepreneur is someone who jumps out of a plane and, and makes a parachute on the way down. Yeah, but they've got the pieces to make the parachute and now and know how to make a parachute. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you just brought a vision of a dinner that I had 20 years ago, like crystal clear to me. Mm-hmm. I was meeting with the, an entrepreneur. I already had the itch, right, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And he said something to me over dinner. He said, of all my friends who have made it, most the ones who have just made the leap and said, I'm going to build it on the way down have the highest probability of failing. The ones who have succeeded start doing something on the side and Mm -hmm. it starts taking more time, more of their time until they have to give up their full-time job. Mm -hmm. And then they jump in with both feet. Those are the ones that tend to make it. 
so that's, I guess, some other great advice I got along the way that kept me from jumping out of the plane, you know, too early. You know, this even comes down to like one of, I've got a few Danisms. And one of my Danisms is push your edge, but not your buttons. Um, what I'm talking about that is, you know, take a little bit each day of an expansion in how you feel or your emotional capacity to move towards what you want. Um, uh, a, a, a little step towards clarity on what you want to create, a little step more into uh, mental alignment with what it is you want to move towards, and a little bit more in terms of actually physically calling in, calling to life what you want. Yeah. And if you do that consistently every day, you will get there. And generally right. speaking, I've witnessed in my life and the life of a lot of my mentors and, and other successful people is you end up getting a compound effect that consistent movement towards somewhere eventually culminates in op an opportunity for you to make that leap and not have to make the parachute on the way down because you've got it right. in the back already. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's very well said. Broski. Do you, um, do you have any mentors that you look up to or has that, has, has mentorship been a part of your journey? One, 100%. I mean, mm. it's, uh, it's a journey you can't take without mentorship. Mm. Um, and I've, I've sought mentorship and, and I think mentorship comes in many different, uh, forms. Mm. Uh, it's not always, you know, the person that says, Hey, come by my office every night, every night at four 30. And I'll tell mm -hmm. you a couple lessons, right? It's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who do I pay attention to in the media? Who do yeah. I follow? Right. Yeah, who I do that. I learn from? Which books do I read? You mm -hmm. know, I would say Jim Collins is a great mentor of mine. I've talked to him twice and he would not even know my, you know, if you asked him, he wouldn't know my name. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's a mentor to me because I've, gravitated to the concepts that he teaches and the research that he's done. And I've made him a mentor to myself without him really knowing it. Right. And anytime I've ever been able to seek him out and ask him some questions, they were golden moments in my life. He would never remember. He wouldn't even know what he said. Um, but I remember, you know, at that corporate company that I was with, um, that I mentioned for 16 years, he actually forwarded and mailed all the executive team, a copy of his book. Uh, he personally outlined every chapter, uh, for them to read mm -hmm. given the information I gave him about the things we were struggling with. Mm. Um, and then there's, you know, people in your life that you look up to, um, there's people who have done what you want to do. Um, and, I would say without that, without that, uh, pursuit of wisdom mm. that, uh, it's, it's the deck is stacked against you. Do you know, I, I love what you're saying about not traditionally, um, <sighs> 
not traditionally just need, because I've got exactly the same thing, right? Especially, I mean, I, I'm fortunate, you know, I do, I do well now, so I can spend a lot of money on my personal development and coaching and so on and so forth. But a lot of people, I think, who are thinking about stepping onto the entrepreneurial journey or even in it or wanting to make the transition to, towards it or thinking about it is that you can grab a book. Most thought leaders and entrepreneurs now are on social media, right? They've got right. a Twitter account. They've got an Instagram where they're on their stories or, um, you know, they've got an autobiography where you can learn about them. I mean, for me personally, I, I, I do a lot of work with archetypes with my clients and we map our archetypes and then we find successful people who are as close to us in our archetype as possible. And then just look at what, look at what mistakes they made, stay right. away from them. Look at what their wins were. I mean, for me, um, Richard Branson, in terms of being that very dynamic, high quantity activity person, I, I looked at his story, you know, and I followed a lot of what he did. And, you know, so when people were seeing him all over the news, they didn't know it's because he was, he was, he was broke. He was sort of on the, on the edge of bankruptcy all of that time, but still sort of keeping it together and just yeah. like, okay, so not to juggle too much, you know, make sure that you've got the cash flow going and hire competent people not to take shortcuts and so on and so forth. And now I've got more in-person because my mentors are starting in some instances to become at least peers that I can, I can connect with and get on the phone and they open the door for more people. But it started with, for me personally, at least, what could I learn from books? What could I learn from courses? What could I learn online from people, from their videos and so on and so forth, apply that and then start to move into the right circles. And then as a result, now I've got people that I can get on the phone who are running multi-million dollar businesses who can put me on the phone with billionaires and so on and so forth and get me to right. that next level of mentorship. Right. And, and I would say, and also being humble enough to realize if you asked any of those people for help, mm -hmm. it's very likely they would give it to you. Hmm. But it's amazing how many people are afraid to ask for help. Mm. And that word, you know, to me is, is incredibly powerful. Um, and I would say for a lot of people who might be tuning in, if they could put quotes around something, just say, just ask, you know, there are people who teach concepts around curiosity, entrepreneurship, creativity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and if you're just curious enough and you say, Hey, I'm interested, you know, in doing something, but I'd like your help. Mm -hmm. That's so much different than, hey, do you have a second? I'd mm -hmm. like to, you know, talk to you. <laughs> that usually means I'm pitching you something. Do you know, right? it's, it's so funny. Help. It, it's so funny because Justin, who connected us, I actually know through one of my mentors, Greg Reed. That's how I actually got connected to Justin. And um, uh, Greg and I recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago um, that's going to go live soon. Um, and, and this is, you know, this is one of the things he said. He's like, if you if you come up to me and say, hey, I've got a great idea of how I can help you, um, you know, I'd love to connect with you and share it with you. You're going to be very differently positioned to, hi, excuse me, um, can I talk to you for a minute or whatever? Yeah. Someone's busy, you know, they're running, yeah. you know, multi-million, multi-billion dollar businesses or companies or organizations or groups of companies. Someone saying, hey, I've got something for you. It's the same. Um, another one of my mentors, Nick had us, um, we had a mastermind call with James Altucher last month and he was saying exactly the same thing. He's like, you know, he comes up with ideas that are going to be good for other people and he pictures them ideas of something that he can give them to help them. 
And he builds relationship right. capital that way. Not, hey, I've got an idea of what I can sell you. No, it's I've got an idea of how I can serve you. That builds a relationship and leads to maybe the ability to go into business later or for them to open up doors for you and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's in, it's human nature, right, to want to help other people. Yeah. Um, you might turn it off. People mm-hmm. might be, people may have forgot, buried that deep. But the moment mm-hmm. you hear that, it, it, it awakens it in everybody. Um, and that's, that's true for just about anything. I mean, I'll, even the most simple things, uh, one of the things I love to do is play golf and I have a bucket list of courses that I want to play. And I learned mm-hmm. you could try as very hard to try and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to figure out how to do X, Y, and Z. And I figured out the much easier way to do it was when you're with people say, Hey, I'd love your help. I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. Do you know anyone I can talk to? And, and I'm amazed. It's like, I've got 10 people that are members at that course. Like mm-hmm. just, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. You would help me in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I mean, that's a, you know, probably not the best business example, but it's the same thing that as means a lot capital. to me. Right? But it's yeah. like, but it's relationship capital. I mean, another one of my, one of my, um, one of my mentors, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really close with is, and I speak to him many, many times a week. Um, I remember when my last business, when my partners kind of stole, stole the business from, from me. Um, and I went to go and see him. He was, he was, he was in London at the time. We had a, we had a glass of wine and he was like, and he told me more of his story, parts of his story. I didn't even know. I mean, this is a man who, um, you know, I watched him sell, you know, a, a chunk of one of his companies for like 1.6, was it 800 billion? He sold one of them for, you know, he's very, 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 very wealthy man. But again, I don't ask him for favors. I see how I can help him. And he's, he's always gives me an opportunity as a result. And we're right. sitting and having this conversation. And he's, he's told me this story that I didn't even know about how, yeah, I see him now, you know, worth a lot of money. But there was a time when, you know, he, he'd lost everything. And he showed me that it was actually, he went from having very successful timber business, um, losing that being on his face to being a millionaire again in 18 months. And he said, the only thing that made that happen, Dan, was relationships. And that because I had relationships with people, I had something to work with. And since then, I'm now even more successful than I was before with the business that I lost. Yeah. And when I hear that story too, the other thing that comes to mind is I hear stories like that all the time. And that person that you're referring to wasn't afraid of living uh, a life at a, at a poverty level. Right. Mm. Like exactly. Like you said, I before. think so many people are, are so afraid that, Oh, if I fail, I'll be looked down upon. I might not get the same benefits that I had before. I won't be seen at the same level of society. And again, almost every entrepreneur, you know, that I know that is extremely successful. Mm-hmm experience something at a poverty level at some point, maybe revisited it once, twice, and now they're worth billions of dollars. And it isn't uh, the billions of dollars that drives them. Um, it's, it's the, it's the pursuit. You know, and this kind of brings me to something that uh, I think makes even a good sort of rounding off point in that, successful people. I don't know any happy, successful people 
whose journey was about making more money. I agree a hundred percent. They may put on that face, <laughs> especially for, especially for the shareholders. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't think there's, I mean, that's a very true statement. And that's not to say that the money doesn't have a factor or the money's not considered or the money's not thought of and blah, 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 blah. But the money was a happy byproduct of the growth, the change, the expansion and so on and so forth that they were moving towards. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Tell me something. What's one thing you'd love to leave with the, leave with the listeners today? Because you've shared some, you said some, some, some gold today, some great stories, some great experiences and some real wisdom. Um, is there anything that you'd love to sort of leave as a, a closing thought or final thought for the listeners? Yeah, I think what I would leave everybody with is never stop being curious. Mm. Um, you know, curiosity is one of those things that is a driver without being a pounding driver, right? It's like a mm. digging and the more, whatever walk of life you come from or whatever you're doing, you know, digging out answers is so much better than trying to pound them onto other people. So I would say just never lose your sense of curiosity. Um, when you marry that with where you want to go, really great things happen. I love that. I absolutely love that. How can people connect with you, find out more about getting nice, clean spaces um, prefabricated and delivered to where they're at? So we have a landing page at cleanzones.com. Zones is spelled Mm Z-O-N-E-Z.com. Our company is zones.com, Z-O-N-E-Z.com. And we have all the links. We've got incredible white papers, science and everything else behind it. And a white paper that will help you create an action plan to get back to work on the timeline you want in this as much safety as you want wrapped around that plan. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, it's a way to create action. And then anyone can find me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm a hundred percent sure I'm the only Sandy Golgart on LinkedIn (laughs) and that's S A N D E. G-O-L-G-A-R-T. Uh, and I'll, I'll make sure that um, that Duncan gets that popped <laughs> in the show notes so that we can okay. make sure just in case we'll get we'll get a link there. So it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure sharing space with you today. Uh, really grateful for this opportunity to uh, to hang out and find out more about what you're doing um, at, um, and your journey. It's, it's been inspiring. Thank you. Uh, to yeah, all the listeners. Thank you. Hey, listeners, thanks for taking the time out. I mean, the world to me, please, if you would uh, go ahead and... Um, Show us how you feel about the podcast with an honest rating or review, um, good or bad. We'd love to know how we can serve you better with this podcast. Remember that you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. Go ahead and dream with your eyes open. And uh, don't forget to check out the, um, the, the, the Beyond Success Live free workshop. Um, details are in the show notes. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan. Dan. Dan.